I will enjoy the rest of the service. Thanks, Gabby and Shawnee. Uh, my name is Alvin, for y'all who are here for the first time. Uh, welcome to Nashville Life Church. Uh, I serve as lead pastor here, and uh, I'm excited to have you. I love what's happening at Nashville Life. We are a growing church. It's a pretty dynamic time. Uh, this the past six months has been, we've done two services for the first time here, this new building. Uh, kids' life has literally doubled in size. The kids who are coming, our congregation, the people who are coming. Uh, it's a lot of change. It's great change, but it's a lot of change. And as they were saying, with even all the things going on, never hesitate to, to reach out to us with any feedback. Um, at the very least, we will value it. We'll appreciate it. Um, our church's success is, it involves all of you. So as you have ideas, things you'd like to see more of, things you'd like to see less of, um, feel free just to let us know. And I just want you guys to know that that door is open and we value you as people who are part of this church. So glad you're here. Hope you enjoy yourself. We're about to get into the word. It's, uh, it's, a, it's an introduction for a four-week series, and I want to make sure I lay a good foundation for the rest of the series. So I want to get into it as quick as possible. Pray that I get everything in that I want to get in. Uh, let's pray all together. Say, the word of God is the bread of life. May my heart conceive it and my life achieve it. In the name of Jesus, amen. Awesome. Well, the theme for 2022, withstanding the wind, that's our, our direction for this whole year. We're trying to train uh, ourselves with the word of God on how to withstand the turbulent, windy times um, that we're in. And I'm grateful for what the word of God gives us to empower us and to equip us to withstand uh, the winds of these times. Matthew chapter 3, verse 12, we've been referring to this every week. John the Baptist is talking about Jesus, and he says, His winnowing fan is in his hand, and he will thoroughly clean out his threshing floor and gather his wheat into the barn, but he will burn up the chaff with unquenchable fire. And uh, the beautiful thing about Jesus is uh, he's a harvester, and he, he's gathering us. Even this, this is a gathering, and he's always gathering. Ever since the, his ministry on earth, he's been gathering people. But during his gathering, he also shares news and details of what it takes to gather him that can kind of uh, cause uh, people to waver in their decision. Um, famously, he referred to it last week where he had all of these followers, and then he dropped the news that he wanted them to uh, eat his flesh and drink his blood, and everyone left except a few. Because with Jesus, as great as he is, there comes things that really test us and make sure and sees like, where are we at? Like, is this something that we want to continue in? And I think as people here, I believe that we want to continue in our walk with Jesus. I believe we want to continue in our, our, our pursuit of him. But it's important for us to know that as passionately as Jesus is summoning us and gathering us and leading us to spend a home with him, we have an enemy that's passionately trying to lead us to spend home with him. And I don't want to be at his home. I don't want to be at home with the enemy. I want to be at home with Jesus. So the Bible repeatedly tells us to be vigilant to be watchful, to guard our hearts, to renew our minds, to really audit our lives and make sure that we are still on the path of the Lord and haven't gone somewhere else. So this year is really about teaching us how to avoid the traps and slip-ups that can cause us to waver from something that God is wanting us to stay focused with. And I'm covering different wins each month. June was the wind of doctrine. Before then was the wind of change. And this month I'm talking about the wind of futility. 
the wind of futility. Now, this isn't a word that we use often, but uh, you'll understand why I want this to be something that we know about because uh, it's very purposeful. The definition of futile. The definition of futile is serving no useful purpose. Completely ineffective. That's the definition of being futile. Romans chapter 8 verse 20 says, For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. There's a wind of uselessness and lack of purpose that we as believers need to make sure that we are withstanding. There's a passage in the book of Jude, and the phrase says, uh, he was describing uh, a group of people as clouds without water. And that stuck with me because obviously we know clouds are meant to provide the rain. And Jude makes it statement that it's possible to be like a cloud, which means you're, you're a cloud, but there's no water in you. So it doesn't serve the purpose that the cloud was intended to serve for the world. And leaving you nothing with, nothing with uh, you leave you with nothing left but fluff. Just fluff, but no water. So you can't actually fulfill the purpose of a cloud, but you are a cloud. And that's kind of what we want to avoid. We want to avoid being clouds without water. We want to avoid being a church without power. We want to uh, resist being a church without the love of God, without the fire of God, without the fruit of Jesus. Um, These are the things that we need to make sure that we're avoiding so that we can continue to walk in the purpose. Um, What's sad was the world was not created to be futile. Everything that God created, he created with a purpose in mind. He created with a, with a tendency or ability to produce abundant fruit and to know that something could do all of these great things but is subjected to futility is frustrating. And that really is the word. When it comes to the world which was created to be fertile and vi- uh, full of vitality and abundant and having unlimited potential being subjected to futility is frustrating. The definition of frustration, check this out. Definition of frustration is a deep chronic sense or state of insecurity and dissatisfaction arising from unresolved problems or unfulfilled needs. I phrase it as frustration is the inability to be and do what you sense you're supposed to be and do. Knowing that you can and that you're supposed to, but yet feeling unable to do it is what causes frustration. And I actually wanted to, at one point, call this month the winds of frustration. But, and the reason why is because frustration is a word that we're used to using it's an emotional, it's an emotion that we're used to feeling. But it hit me that frustration is a byproduct of futility. Frustration is how you feel when you're not useful or purposeful, especially to the degree that you sense that you could be or should be. So I love this because we're going to address it this month at the root. We're going to talk about the root, which is futility. And I believe the byproduct of us addressing this area of futility in our lives is going to be a lot less frustration. And it's going to be a blessing for all of us. Um, This moment where God subjected the world to futility uh, came At a certain point in history, many of us have heard about it, and it's in Genesis chapter 3. I'm going to read about six verses, 13 through 19. And there's a lot of info in it, but 
I trust that all of us are going to be able to stick with it. Verse 13, it says, Then the Lord God said to the woman, What is this that you have done? The woman said, The serpent deceived me, and I ate. The Lord God said to the serpent, Because you have done this, cursed are you above all livestock and above all beasts of the field. On your belly you shall go, and dust you shall eat all the days of your life. I will put enmity between you and the woman and between your offspring and her offspring. He shall bruise your head and you shall bruise his heel. To the woman, he said, I will surely multiply your pain in childbearing. In pain you shall bring forth children. Your desire shall be contrary to your husband." But he shall rule over you. And to Adam, he said, because you have listened to the voice of your wife and have eaten of the tree of which I commanded you, you shall not eat of it. Cursed is the ground because of you. In pain you shall eat of it all the days of your life. Thorns and thistles it shall bring for you and you shall eat the plants of the field. By the sweat of your face, you shall eat bread till you return to the ground. For out of it you were taken, for you are dust, and to dust you shall return. So this is what Romans 8 was talking about when it said that the all of creation was subjected to futility. Things that God intended to be one thing became something else in that moment. We saw a few things in that passage. First of all, the serpent got cursed. Apparently, snakes traveled upright prior to the fall. And a result of sin coming into the world was they now traveled on their bellies. The Bible says that livestock and beasts were cursed, but the most cursed of all was the serpent. Women got their share too. Uh, they were created to be helpers and supporters to their husbands, but the, God said that because of the fall, they would now be contrarians. Their desires would be contrary to what their husband wanted. So instead of being that support and that help, they would now be contrarians. And the Bible says that what was childbirth was going to now be significantly more painful than what it originally was going to be. Uh, men, we got our share too. We were called to be productive, particularly with the ground, and the God-like ease that we were originally intended to produce became something very strenuous, very difficult, and way less productive than what it could have been. So we went from having a godlike ease and grace to produce much fruit to having to struggle a lot to produce a fraction of that fruit. So more effort and less results, hence frustration. <laughs> um, the earth got it too. Poor earth. earth. Earth ended up having to be subjected to this too. And they didn't even do anything. The earth would produce crops that were void of, of defects and decay. And because of sin entering in the world, crops were now laced with thorns and with thistles. And then last off, mankind. Mankind, the offspring of Adam and Eve. We were made of the dust, but we had God's spirit. And the intention was for us to spend eternity with the Spirit of God. But because of sin, our destination was the dust that we came from. We went from having a heavenly destination to under the earth. Romans 5, verse 12. Therefore, just as sin came into the world through one man and death through sin, and so death 
spread to all men because all sinned. Romans 8 says that this subjection to futility came against the will of man, which means it wasn't something that we wanted. It wasn't something that creation chose. Trees didn't choose this. Cows didn't choose this, but it happened because of the sin of one man. Humans were created to live, and according to the word, according to what I'm seeing, live forever. And the reason why I say we were created to live forever, because death wasn't introduced to the world until sin came. Death came through sin. And before sin, death was not in the plans for people or for creation. But according to scripture that I've been reading, futility now became the sentence for the world. But there's one phrase, one word actually in verse 20 that I didn't emphasize that I need to because it's highly important and it's the reason why we call the gospel the good news. Romans 8, 20, verse 21. I'm going to read both verses now. I read just one verse before. Now I'm going to read both verses. For the creation was subjected to futility. We just read about that. Not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope. In hope. So he subjected the earth to futility in hope. Let's, talk, let's learn about what this hope was. Verse 21 in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. So as rough as the consequences for Adam's sin of eating that fruit, of disobeying God, as significant and as brutal and lasting as the consequences were, God allowed it according to this scripture in hope that we would all be saved from this situation. And by all, I don't just mean human beings. I mean all of creation. Because if you see the results of sin didn't just affect Adam and Eve. It affected animals. It affected crops. It affected flowers. It affected fruit. It affected everything on earth. So what was God hoping in? I'm always fascinated at the idea of God having hope because I'm like, what could he possibly be hoping in? I don't know if you guys have thought about this, but the salvation story involves people, and people were created to do whatever we wanted to do and not do what we didn't want to do. No human being is a robot. All of us are built with choice. So God had hope. And he had enough hope to risk the salvation for all creation to be reliant on the cooperation and the obedience of mankind. That was a pretty big risk. These are the few things that he was hoping in. His first hope was that his son, Jesus, would agree to leave his place in heaven and receive the incredible demotion of becoming a human being on earth when he was sitting next to his father in heaven over all these things. That was the first hope. He had to first hope that his son would agree to this plan to become the human sacrifice for our mistakes. That was the first hope. The second hope was that enough human beings on earth would agree to the series of covenants required for Jesus to come back. In order for Jesus, before Jesus came back, guys, there were a handful of individuals over the years that agreed to cooperate with his plan that would lead to the coming of Jesus. The third thing, he had to hope that Jesus, once he got on earth and felt the pain, would actually follow through with the plan he committed to. Because it's one thing to say yes when you're in heaven, and then you become human, a human being, and you feel what it's like to be down here, and you realize how low people can go, and you experience the pain that human beings are capable of inflicting, and knowing that you're dying for the very people who are killing you, 
And just the moment of that, he, God had to hope that Jesus, once he actually was flesh, would say, I'm going to continue with what I commit, committed to instead of saying, this is way harder than I thought, and I'm out. His fourth hope was God had to hope that people would believe and receive the sacrifice so they could be saved. Jesus had, God had no idea of all of us, like, we have to choose that for ourselves. God, as much as he wants everyone to receive the sacrifice, it's up to us. So that was a hope. I hope they say yes. I hope they believe that this happened. I hope they receive it for their lives. And his last hope that I want to talk about was his hope that people who were saved would cooperate in the plan to share the news of salvation. God when he subjected the world to futility and he allowed them to experience uselessness and, and per lack of purpose because of the fall, he did it in hope that all of these individuals, from his son to the prophets to Old Testament people to the church to us today, would cooperate with what he had in mind. I'm very glad that he had hope in us. I'm very glad he had hope in his plan because, thankfully, though it got close at some times and it got a little scary at some times, enough people were able to cooperate with this plan that led to the salvation that we get to receive today. Noah cooperated. He heard the strange plan to build an ark when there was no rain in sight and risk everyone thinking that he was nuts and follow through with this plan, even though it probably cost him a lot socially, it probably cost him a lot with his friends and family, but he did it. I'm so glad that he made the personal choice to cooperate. And then we got Abraham. Abraham, he cooperated. Isaac cooperated with God. Jacob barely did, but he did. It took some wrestling, but he did, thank God. Joseph did. Fast forward to Moses. He did, but he didn't do it fully, which is why he missed out on going to the promised land. He, he let his feelings get to him. The people were driving him nuts, and he responded out of anger instead of out of faith, and he forfeited. His, his position in the promised land, Joshua had to take over, which is another co cooperation. Joshua saw the struggle of Moses and saw the horrors that Moses went through and still had the courage to say, I'll take it on. Thank God. And then he got David. He cooperated. And then he fell and got back on and continued strong at the end. And then there were a series of prophets that was bringing news that nobody wanted to hear. But gave it anyway, even though it was lonely, even though it was tiresome. Thank God that they followed through, leading all the way up to young Mary and her fiancé, Joseph. And they risked it all to cooperate with the plan of God, even though it cost them their reputation. Leading up to Jesus, born. You got John the Baptist, the last prophet that kind of carried the torch and handed the baton to Jesus. He ended up getting his head cut off. He sacrificed his head. Was willing to lose that. I mean, this is why God had to hope. I hope these people are willing to cooperate with this plan to save the world. And just generation by generation. There might not have been a lot of people, but there were enough. There was always at least one person in every generation to cooperate and agree to carry out the plan so that the world could be saved. And I'm so grateful for them, and I just want to honor them. There was another cooperation that wasn't as noble. It was prophesied that he had to be betrayed, and Judas signed up for that one. He was like, I'll take that part. Um, so that happened, but it was needed. It was a part of the plan. He cooperated and betrayed the Lord, and here we are. Jesus rose from the grave. Jesus died on the cross, shed his blood, died, 
third day rose from the grave, the, the curse, the sentence to futility was broken, the, the prison of being useless and without purpose and subpar our potential was no longer a requirement for, for life, but we now had an option to be saved. And I say option because that's really what it is. When Jesus rose from the grave, notice not every single person started walking in fruitfulness. Not every single person believed. We now had an option to believe. Jesus provides an option for salvation. Before Jesus, being redeemed wasn't even an option. But now it is. And the hope of God is that people would choose the option. My hope is what God is saying is that they will hear the words of the gospel and will be sensitive enough to the good news that they choose to follow Jesus. Jesus provided the option for people to be saved. The cross did not automatically do away with the futility of the world, which is why there's still frustrations happening so many places, including in this room. You notice, you know, there's still effects of this sentence active in the world. Snakes still travel on their belly. Women didn't automatically stop opposing their husbands. Childbirth didn't stop hurting. Men didn't automatically stop struggling in their productivity. Humanity didn't stop being bound to go back to the earth. However, men now have the option to be born again in Christ and step by step as they follow Jesus, reverse the effects of the curse that was on their lives. Notice I said step by step, which is why you got to follow Jesus, guys. You can't just say I receive him and you stay put. The path of Jesus is every step of obedience will reverse the effects of the curse that was on your life which is why we can't stop because every step you don't take is another uh, reversing step that could have happened in your life. Another area of your life could have been redeemed, which is why none of us are in a position to say, I'm just going to park it in my following Jesus because the Lord wants to see you fully restored. He wants to see you fully redeemed. So we must follow him. We can't just Pray the prayer and say it's done. You got, you got to start to follow Jesus because every step will reverse the effects of sin on your life. Women now have the option to be born again in Christ and step by step reverse the effects of this curse that we were born into. And according to Scripture, the rest of creation is hoping that we take those steps. The frustration I was talking about, creation is feeling that frustration. Romans 8 verse 19 says, For the earnest expectation of the creation eagerly waits for the revealing of the sons of God. Notice, guys, the creation got in this situation because of the disobedience of one man. One man was able to not just affect humankind, but the crops and the field and the fish and the sea and the trees that are growing, and the, everybody was affected when Adam disobeyed the Lord. And the cool thing about it is when man obeys God, just like all of creation felt the pain of it, they will experience the pleasure of it the more we obey God. The more that we are obedient to Jesus the more that creation will be redeemed. I think sometimes we underestimate how significant we are as human beings and how significant our faith in Jesus is and how significant the body of Christ is. Just like the disobedience of one man changed the whole world for the worst, the obedience of mankind will change the whole world for the better. The Bible says that we are the light of the world. So the more people choose Jesus, the brighter the light will get. 
and not only will people benefit from it, but I believe that ants will benefit from it. I believe that cows will benefit from it. I believe that everything in creation will go, thank God Alvin repented. Thank God Andy turned. Thank God CeCe got it right. Thank God they stopped rebelling because we were suffering because of them. But when we, when we turn to Jesus, the Bible says that he will draw, he's drawing all things in heaven and earth. He's redeeming everything. He's not just saving people. He's saving all of creation. But people are the key for that redemption to happen. First Peter chapter 1, 13 through 19. Therefore, preparing your minds for action and being sober-minded, set your hope fully on the grace that will be brought to you at the revelation of Jesus Christ. As obedient children, do not be conformed to the passions of your former ignorance. But as he who called you is holy, you also be holy in all your conduct. Since it is written, you shall be holy, for I am holy. And if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear throughout the time of your exile, knowing that you were ransomed from the futile ways inherited from your forefathers, not with perishable things such as silver or gold, but with the precious blood of Christ, like that of a lamb without blemish, or spot. This passage is telling the church to be prepared for action and to be sober-minded and having all of our hope fully on God's grace, on God's ability to turn your life around. You've got to place all of your hope fully on his grace. And to make sure that you're not you're not conformed by the way that you used to think. All of us, before we were saved, had a way of thinking. And as great as it is that we've turned from that way of thinking, the Bible says that we have to still actively make sure that we don't revert back to the way that we used to think. It's a reality, guys. Your past will try to become your present. Your past will try to become your future. And it's important as believers that we live our life in a way to where we are vigilant and proactive and intentional about that not happening. Because if we're not what we see happen so much is the old ways we used to think and the old futile ways that we've inherited from generations, from our great-grandfather and great-grandfather all the way back to Adam. There's things that we have inherited that are futile. There are things that we've inherited that are pointless, that are useless, that don't produce fruit in our lives. And as we turn to Jesus and as we walk in the new identity that he's given us, it's very important that we don't allow the former futile ways creep back in into our lives. Now, some of you guys will say, well, you know, I just don't want to think about that. That just sounds, I'm free, aren't I? You know, like, why? That just feels like, you know, fear. And it says, verse 17 and if you call on him as father who judges impartially according to each one's deeds, conduct yourselves with fear 
throughout the time of your exile. Now, let me explain. We're not talking about, like, nightmare fear. We're not talking about fear that makes you afraid to approach the Lord. We're talking about an awareness that every single thing I do will be judged. And he says he does it impartially. He doesn't have favorites. It doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your status is. It doesn't matter what your situation. He's assessing our lives. He's assessing our actions. And all this passage is saying is you have to live your life with that awareness. Because that awareness will keep you from doing things. When we believe that there's high consequences for things, it changes the way we act. It just does. When we know that there are high repercussions to certain decisions, we approach them differently. And God is just reminding us today that your actions and your conduct can yield great repercussions. And the Lord is watching all of us all the time. And this is just a word to the wise to live your life like that's the case. Live your life like you're being watched because you are. And it's not like a creeper watch. It's, it's God who's watching you. He's watching everything. And we have to live our lives like that's true. Because we were ransomed from our futile ways, and it was by the blood of Jesus. I truly believe that every time that we obey God, it makes his light brighter in our lives. And the brighter his light gets, the more I believe creation will be redeemed from the futility that it was subjected to. I believe that bit by bit, person by person, choice by choice, obedience by obedience, we will see the church live up to the potential and the promise and the capabilities that we were planted to have. The Bible says that we are the salt and we are the light of the world. And we can't just be this in title. We have to be this in action. So this month is really us learning what parts of our lives are futile, what parts of our thinking, what parts of our actions, what parts of our words, what parts of our relationships serve no purpose. And the Holy Spirit, I believe, is going to be faithful to show us areas of our lives that he wants to make fruitful, areas of our lives that we didn't even think had anything to do with our faith. A lot of times we really think that God is only over a certain part of our lives. That's why I love Genesis 3, because it talks about parts of creation that we thought had nothing to do with our obedience to God. So I believe there's going to be parts of your life, the more you obey the Lord, the more he's going to show you parts of your life that he wants to be fruitful that you thought that he didn't care anything about. We all have those parts of our lives where we're like, well, I don't want to bother God with that. He's got, this is just, you know, he can deal with the big stuff. I'll deal with the little stuff. God says he wants to redeem every part of your life. But in order to do that, we have to address the futile ways. And I believe that God is going to lead us in a way where we are a lot more fruitful, a lot more purposeful, a lot more uh, effective in our lives and that's the prayer. That's my prayer. I believe that's what the Lord is wanting to do this month. And, I mean, obviously for the rest of our lives. But this month we're going to focus on it. So I encourage you guys, be here as much as you possibly can. And if you can't, listen to uh, us online, the YouTube, because each message is going to be built to, to, to bless your life. And the, and the cool byproduct of it is, I believe there's going to be less frustration in your life. I believe there's going to be less insecurities 
in your life. Remember, frustration comes from futility. When you, when you feel like you aren't doing and being what, you, what you've been created to do, that creates a frustration. So I believe a beautiful byproduct with the Lord addressing futile areas of our lives is going to be less frustration, more peace, more gratitude, more confidence, and, and, and productivity. Men, I believe the Lord wants us to be productive in our lives. I believe he wants us to be able to produce the things that are in our heart to produce, things that we've been called to produce. Women, you too. I believe it. I believe the Lord wants to make us live the way that we all sense that we can and are supposed to live. And that's a simple miracle, but I believe it's life-changing. I think so much of our pain comes from the sense that there's more in here. There's more that God had in mind when he made us. And I know that's true. I have felt it. I can have confidence that most of you have felt it, if not all of you. And I just think God wants to address it. So I mean, I'm looking forward to it for my own life. I want to see the Lord uh, take away the parts of me that aren't producing fruit to make room for the parts of me that are producing fruit to produce more fruit. And by fruit, I mean things that are going to bless the world, things that are going to bless my family, things that are going to bless those who don't believe, things that are going to bless this church, and things that are going to bless God, bless him. I want to bless him. So I'm going to pray. Father, in the name of Jesus, I thank you for your spirit. God, I thank you for leading us. God, I believe that you want us to focus on what your blood made possible for our lives. Your blood, Jesus, according to this word, ransomed us from the futile ways that we've inherited from our forefathers. God, us in this room, we have things that we've inherited that are hindering us from moving forward in our lives for producing the fruit that we were called to produce. God, I just pray that your gracious spirit would touch every heart and let them know that you've seen their frustrations, you've seen their insecurities, you've seen their anxieties. Lord, I believe that this month is about you letting them know that you see it, you care, you know where it came from, and you know how to save them from it. God, I pray, Lord, there's people here that might have been on their last leg or this is, my, this is the last straw or this is the last day and I can't go any further. I can't do any more. I just, the frustration is too great. The frustration is too deep. God, I'm grateful that your spirit is encouraging them right now. I pray that you do that and let them know to hold on because we're going to address the root of it. We're going to address the areas of futility. And I believe the parts that were dead are going to be made alive. I believe the parts that are barren are going to be fruitful. I believe the parts that were useless are going to become useful. And I'm just excited and I thank you in advance for the richness of life to be restored. The vibrance of life to be restored. The success of life to be restored. And all of this is made possible by the blood of Jesus. Jesus, we thank you and I pray your perfect will and the fulfillment of all the potential of every person in this room for your glory 
In Jesus' name, amen. I'm going to ask us all to stand. And as we close, I just want to invite every person to to see Jesus as more than someone who gets you a ticket into heaven when you die. He's that, but man, are we shortchanging him if that's all we see him as. He's so much more. He wants to restore purpose and use in your life. I can sense it. I just, it's almost like this is who we are and this is where we're living. And God wants to just address those areas. So when we say, when we invite Jesus into our lives today, this is more than just getting into heaven, which is huge. This is more than just forgiving your sins that you did, which is huge. This is about restoring the use and the purpose of your life even while you're here on earth. So I will ask for you all, I do ask for you guys to repeat after me. And we're going to address Jesus and we're going to ask him into our lives. And we're going to do it with faith that he is going to restore even the parts of our lives that we forgot need restoration. Let them in every part of your heart. I can't stress that enough, guys. Open up completely to him and watch him restore your purpose. Say, Father, in the name of Jesus, I confess that Jesus Christ is the Son of God. I believe that he died on the cross for my sins and was raised from the dead on the third day. Forgive me of my sins and make me a new person in Christ. Lord Jesus, I choose you to be the Lord of my life. Fill me with the Holy Spirit so I can live for you every day. In the name of Jesus, amen. Thank you, Lord. Just for a couple minutes, I want to ask that you just receive the ministry of the Holy Spirit. And by that, let God's Spirit bless you. Let Him bless you. Let Him subside those fears. Let Him stir up that courage. Let Him restore that conviction. Let Him speak to your heart. Let him speak to your heart. Yes, Jesus. Let him open your eyes. Let him soften your heart. Let him renew your mind. Let him restore your focus. Let him comfort you. Let him bless you.
yes to Jesus, we want to keep walking with you. We want to keep loving you, encouraging you, befriending you. Uh, there's a couple ways to let us know you said yes to Jesus. One is virtual. One's right here. We've got a prayer team that's going to be up front when we dismiss. If you're open to it, just ask for prayer. Let them know you said yes to the Lord. Let them bless you. Let them encourage you. If you have a prayer need of any other kind, they're here to pray for you. Uh, you can also text BELONG to 77411. And it's going to give you a lot of different options of connecting to us. And we would love for you to do that. We're here for you. That's why we're here. We're here for God and we're here for you. Um, If you would like to learn more about Nashville Life and hear about our vision, today is a great day to do that. Next steps is right after we dismiss, I'm going to go straight up to the third floor, which is one flight up. And I'm going to share the vision of our church and what we do here. And you can think about it and see if this is something you want to be more involved in. Um, if nothing else, you can just meet some friendly faces. We'd love to see you in a few minutes. Uh, and then lastly, if you would like to give, you can give online. You can, you can give uh, via your phone or the finance team. They've got buckets that can receive your offering. And we just thank all you guys in advance. The reason why we're here is because of the giving of the saints. So thank you so much. And let's keep that up. Um, I'm, I'm expecting God to do some big things. I think that's probably why such a sober time because I just know I just know that he's he's doing what his word says that he can do and I'm just I'm just ready I'm ready uh, so I'm going to pray a dismissal and I hope to see you guys in next steps otherwise next week we love you guys Father thank you again I pray a blessing over the people who are here everyone who's watching online God I pray that all of us would uh, allow the word of God to produce fruit in our lives. I pray that it's rooted deep in our hearts so that no one can steal it, God, and that it can just produce the, the fruit that blesses us and blesses you. And we pray that our friends and family are blessed by what you're doing in our lives because of this word. And we pray this in the name of Jesus Christ. Amen. Have a great rest of y'all's day. Happy 4th of July. Be safe.